listening to TMZ Movie Crashers. Welcome back to TMZ Movie Crashers. I'm your host Paige Catton from 2Fab. And I'm Chantal from TMZ Social Team. So as you guys can tell, Fabian is not here. Um, he's going to be out for a while and Chantal is filling in. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Of course, I'm so excited to do this. It's going to be some girls time. Mm-hmm. Broadcast was like, maybe you can change the background to pink. <laughs> I mean, I'd be very down. Yeah, I know. Like Fabian maybe might not. Sorry. But... <laughs> yeah, we might change everything to pink and like start having like, you know, like girly drinks and stuff like that but maybe we'll 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 chew on it we'll chew on it all right so per usual a lot of movie news this week um we're gonna start off with the things that we're not gonna be talking about we're just gonna do some quick mentions um there was a lot of quick mentions but we're just gonna go get into it right here so joe russo says disney's live action hercules will be more experimental and inspired by tiktok and you're a Her- Hercules diehard fan. So I what did know. you think about that real quick? Uh, I don't love it. I think the original is so wonderful. And yes, they shouldn't make a carbon copy of it, as we discussed like months and months ago. But if they're trying to make like tiny snippets of songs, with TikTok dances, I just, I'm not into it. I'm not excited about that. Yeah, we'll see how that turns Let's out. See. So this is really exciting. Chris Evans and The Rock have started filming their Amazon holiday movie, Red One. And they shared some photos. And it looks like it's going to be so much fun. Like, I'm really excited about this. I'm so excited to see what their chemistry is like. I don't right? think I've ever seen them interact just like in real life as well. So I genuinely wonder what that's going to And the like. movie also stars Lucy Liu, Kiernan Shipka, J.K. Simmons, and Bonnie Hunt. Oh, I haven't seen Lucy Liu in something right? in ages. So I'm like yeah. even more excited. Yeah. Um, this morning, the first trailer for The Whale starring um, Brendan Fraser dropped. Um, that film's going to be a huge tearjerker. Of course, he um, Got a standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival for his performance. You know, the Renaissance is upon us. I'm so I'm very excited to see that. Um, definitely gotten some Oscar buzz for the for the film so far. Um, Daniel Kaluuya has joined the cast of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and will play Spider-Punk. I'm excited for this, too. I love Daniel Kaluuya and obviously anything Marvel. So I'm, I'm excited for the team up. Yeah. So Warner Brothers Discovery CEO <laughs> David Zaslov says they're open to a deal with J.K. Rowling for more Harry Potter content. Okay, that's one thing. But he says there hasn't been a Harry Potter movie in 15 years, which is not accurate. Deadly Hallows Part 2 came out in 2011. Mm. And Fantastic Beasts 3 came out earlier this year. So I don't know where he got those numbers. Maybe he's referring to Harry Potter specifically as like Daniel Radcliffe Harry Potter and not but that's still the Wizarding like, World. But, but it's it still 11 weird. years ago, not 15. Yeah, no, it's still very strange. And know. also like after everything that's happened, why would they want to like uh, do more things with J.K. Rowling? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the numbers line up. But if the numbers do line up, then why the fudge did they not realize it was... 10 years and not 15. Like, I think it's probably I don't know. The math ain't mathin'. The math ain't mathin'. So I don't know what's up with that. Um, Lastly, wanted to note this because this is going to be big for us next week. But Ryan Coogler revealed what would have happened in Black Panther Wakanda Forever if Chadwick Boseman hadn't passed away. He said the movie would have still been about grief. But instead of Wakanda dealing with the loss of T'Challa, it would have been about T'Challa dealing with the loss of time he lost when he was um, Blipped. blipped. Um, during you know after Thanos' snap so it's still about grief but in a different way which I thought was very fascinating yeah I would have obviously loved to see Chadwick like he was a light a shining light and such a talent and it's such a shame we won't get to see more of him but um 
I'm excited for Wakanda Forever. Yes. And um, I'm glad that, you know, his original vision could still be carried forward in some way. But let's mm -hmm. see. We'll talk about it next week. Yes, we'll be all about that next week. So let's get in um, to our big segment, the big motion picture. Mm -hmm. um, of course, our big segment, big news story of the week. We're going to talk about the Oscars. So Jimmy Kimmel has been announced. He is going to be the Oscars host for 2023 Oscars, the 95th annual Oscars, which is crazy that it's 95th annual. I just wanted to note that I was like, that was so awesome. So he's going to be hosting. It'll be his third time hosting. Now, people weren't like thrilled about this news, and we'll share our opinions on this in a mm -hmm. second. Um, so just, just in case people don't know, so he hosted... Hollywood's Biggest Night, of course, back in 2017 and 2018. 2017, which is crazy that it's been this long ago. 2017 was the whole envelope gate. Do you oh remember my that? Goodness, yeah. That was Isn't 2017. That yeah. So that was the whole, um, you know, best picture mix up. Yeah. Um, of course, one of the most famous Oscar moments now. Um, probably second to the slap. <laughs> now second to the slap. Now second yeah. to the slap. The slap, I think, is the ultimate one now. Um, so the Oscars went hostless in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. And then last year, it was three women, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall. Mm -hmm. And I thought they did a great job. Agreed. And we'll get into that in a second. But just talking about Kimmel, he released a statement and um, he said, being invited to host the Oscars for a third time is either a great honor or a trap. Either way, I am grateful to the Academy for asking me so quickly after everyone good said no. So it was like a joke. Okay. <laughs> And the producers, and executive producers, the Academy, blah, blah, like, oh, yeah, we love Jimmy, da, 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 You know, I don't even going to read those statements because they're just kind of like, we're so happy to have him, blah, yeah. blah, blah, like typical, you know, standard um, praise or whatever. So people aren't thrilled about this, and I agree. So this news is underwhelming. When I saw that Jimmy Kimmel was hosting, I was like, really? Um, mm. You know, as a movie podcast, the Oscars are like our Super Bowl. Like just, yes. you know, like the Oscars are my Super Bowl. They are the ultimate, like they're like the night of the year that I am the most excited for. Um, you know, the fact that it went from last year being three women, including two women of color, yeah. to a white male again is just kind of like just disappointing. Yeah. And not trying to bring up race or to be woke or whatever, but... I noted that because it was just something new and different from what we had seen in the past. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, they went fewer um, hostless, but I meant previously. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure why they chose Kimmel. And aside the fact that he's hosted before, he's big at ABC, obviously. For those people who don't know, the Oscars are on ABC. ABC is the same network that um, Jimmy Kimmel Live is on. And maybe no one else wanted to do it. I'm, but I'm very curious how far on the list he was. Was he, because of course, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but we talked about this, I believe, on the podcast. We mentioned it, that Chris Rock was asked. I don't know how <laughs> serious that was, but was Jimmy Kimmel like number two? And I don't know. I mean, maybe they wanted to have someone experienced in there in case something like the slap happened again. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm just kind of disappointed about this. And people are just like, really? What do you think about it? I think, like, I mean, I don't have strong feelings about him. I'm very like, yeah, he'll he'll do a good job. It's but like, yeah, yeah, it's very underwhelming. And one of the quotes as well was that we're excited for Jimmy to bring a fresh perspective. And as you said, like he's ho this is this would be his third time hosting. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's to his credit. Like he has experience, as you said. If something goes wrong after the kind of chaos of the last few years, they wanted someone kind of safe and and with exactly. the experience like, to pull through, yeah. but. Reliable, consistent. Yeah, reliable. But I, I, 
I think it's very like meh. I think there's so many people, you know, women like Zendaya would have been, I think, a wonderful host, part of the mm-hmm. Academy. Weirdly enough, Florence Pugh, I think, would be someone interesting. Oh I love her. Right. But one person who would be wonderful is Trevor Noah. He was really great hosting the Grammys. Although oh. I don't know if he's part of the Academy or if you have to be to host. But like, how about just being, as you said, there are so many people who could actually bring a fresh perspective or a new brand of humor. And I don't necessarily think Jimmy Kimmel has a very distinctive brand of humor or a way of hosting that makes me think, oh my God, I'm so, what's he going to do? Like, I'm thinking Hugh Jackman's opening number and Neil Patrick Harris's opening number. Like, yeah. I just wonder what kind of creativity he's going to bring to his third round, if he's going to bring any, or if they really just want like a very basic hosting experience, no frills, no drama. Yeah, which is like boring. Yeah, I agree. It seems it's like boring. it says yeah, it seems like they just want him to be like normal monologue, like, you know, throw some jabs at some of the actors, you know, bring in some political shit and then <laughs> and then like go on with the day. But like I feel like after last year, yes, the slap was you know, violence is never the answer. Yeah. It was horrible. It was big for the Oscars and for ratings and for all this stuff. You'd think they want to keep the momentum momentum going, you know, in a more positive manner, of course. But like, why like it's just it's a step back. It's like I, boring. Like I you know agree. you wanna go you wanna like just get on that momentum and keep going and bring someone really awesome in to keep that energy flowing? I think probably it was reactionary to that energy. It was like a pullback of yeah, you know, let's be more See that's what I think too. Like let's just play it safe. And to his credit, I know that his reaction to the Quinta Brunson backlash, you know, when he famously yes, stole her moment. I was going to note that. Exactly. As like, you know, he kind of lay on stage and people said she, they stole, he stole her moment when she a lot was of people are not, first Emmy. I didn't interrupt you, but a lot of people no. aren't thrilled with him still because of that. And yeah. so I like, that's, you know, another reason like he put in a bad taste in people's mouths for like award shows. Of course, it was a different award show, but like still people are kind of like, that's the kind of bit you did. Yeah. Is that the kind of thing we're going to see at the Oscars? And yeah. I will say, though, that was my reaction at first, too. It was like, this happened like three months ago. Yes. Like, how are people already forgetting about this? But to his credit, the way he handled it in the aftermath, I thought he apologized with her publicly, but with a lot of grace and humility. And, you know, could have been condescending. He yep. could have been another boomer who was like, oh, well, sorry you feel that way. But, like, he showed that he was able to adapt to a modern audience and to modern sensibilities. So maybe there's a, an element of that, of, like, we have, we're mixing tradition with, you know, someone who can adapt to the times and change with the times. But again, does that, you know, does that really qualify him for being a new creative choice for hosting this really prestigious awards ceremony? I don't personally think so, and I would have liked to see Someone different, but hey, it happens. Like you know, people have hosted the Oscars five more times, so it's not out of out yeah. of um, out of the pattern of the Oscars. But I'm not too excited either. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like again, no hate toward Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, but I just feel like it was just kind of disappointing, very underwhelming, as I mentioned. And you know, my dream host, because you mentioned some of yours, I would have loved. This is who I wanted last year. And again, these are TV. Well, they're comedians, but mm-hmm. um, well, one of them's not. But they start on a TV show, but it's a Hulu show. And which is under ABC or sorry, under Disney, which is, you know, ABC and Hulu are under Disney. People that don't know, you know, Disney owns a lot. Um, So only murders in the building. Um, Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. That was my dream. And people wanted that last year, too, because they said there's going to be three. And I think that would have been amazing because you get the comedy from Steve Martin and Martin Short. I actually think Selena Gomez is very funny as well. If you watch only the murders in the building, she's so good in it. But you have the established known famous comedians that will you know the older audience that'll draw on the older audience and then you have selena which brings in the younger audience Mm. so which because it seems like 
there's been times where the Oscars seem like they want to get the younger audience yeah. in there. And having a younger star like Zendaya, as you mentioned, or Selena, um, would have been awesome. And I think that and those three together, like when they present awards, when they do any sort of comedy bits or interviews, it's freaking hilarious. I think that would have been had, had been so good. Um, I just I would like to think they were in the running, maybe because it's a, under yeah. Disney. But who knows? Um, they're pairing Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph. Anytime they do any sort of, they present an award, it's always a highlight. People love them. They're so freaking funny. Um, No matter what, even if it's like the dumbest skit, I'm still cracking up. They would have been so funny. Um, And lastly, if we wanted to go, again, not to bring like race into it or anything, but if we want to talk about white comedians that are funny, um, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. They're oh. so good together. Um, they hosted the Film Independent Spirit Awards a, a few years ago. Um, and they were fucking hilarious when yeah. they hosted. Um, so, yeah, I just I feel like I wanted something, you know, I feel like they could have found like these people are reliable, established, um, not too extreme. But it would still have been they're not like, you know, super out there choices. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Jimmy's just a little too safe. But we'll see. I mean. Maybe it'll, he'll be really good. He Who might knows? surprise us. He, he might, might have a song us. and dance opening number. You never know. I mean, seeing him, <laughs> him seeing him dance and sing would actually be really funny because he's not like known for that. Yeah. Also, did want to mention this because you brought up the Emmys. So for Halloween, um, we go really crazy here at the <laughs> okay. TMZ uh, offices, two fabs in the TMZ offices as well. Um, we go really crazy for Halloween. And Fabian was Jimmy Kimmel for Halloween. Him and Cache, who is, has also been on the podcast, mm-hmm. they were Quinta Brunson and Jimmy Kimmel, and they reenacted the, the Emmys moment. And Fabian laid on the ground in his suit. It was iconic. It was, it like was iconic. iconic. It was so mm-hmm. good. Quinta Brunson even commented on it. It was great. Um, so I just had to note that. Shout out to Fabian and Cache because that was so good. Quinta had commented she commented on the on shot Cache's Instagram. Oh, yes. I have to go check it out. Yes, I didn't realize. She commented on it. Oh my God. So um, yeah, you're going to see some fa- little moments like us like squealing. So just be warned because that's going to happen. <laughs> um, so I think with that, we can go to our next segment, the Hollywood Hoedown. We got to do our little lasso. Woo! Okay. So. <laughs> We got to talk about James Cameron. So he made some very interesting comments that I found very bizarre. Mm. Um, Total 180 from things that he said in the past. So, of course, Avatar The Way of Water is coming out next month. Um, I'll share my opinions on that in a second. But so in an interview with Total Film, James Cameron says he'll end Avatar franchise if The Way of Water and the third film underperform. There was originally set to be five, and I think the first and the second and the third, obviously the second, are both finished. Um, I thought they already had started the fourth and fifth, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, but he said, the market could be telling us we're done in three months, or we might be semi-done, meaning, okay, let's complete the story within movie three and not go on endlessly if it's just not profitable. We're in a different world now than when we were when I wrote this stuff even. It's a one-two punch. The pandemic and streaming, or conversely, maybe will remind people what what going to the theater is all about. This film definitely does that. Speaking about The Way of Water, I'm assuming. And then the last part of the quote is really what stuck with me. He says, the question is, how many people give a shit now? So Avatar, the first one, obviously, came out in 2009. We were kids, okay? That was 13 years ago. It's the highest grossing film of all time. Mm. Um, you know, it kind of will go up. We'll, like Endgame will go above it. And then and then 
or something else and Avatar will come back in theaters and then it'll go up again. Not sure who's seeing those movies when it what who I mean who's seeing Avatar when it comes back in theaters. I don't know anyone who has seen Avatar when it comes back it's in theaters. On streaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm like to. why again, obviously theaters always over streaming, but why would you go back to theaters to watch Avatar? I don't understand. Um so I'm not super interested in Avatar 2. Fabian and I have discussed this before. We're not like super thrilled about this movie. I keep forgetting it's coming out. Um haven't rewatched the first one since I was a kid. Probably might my might like it better now. I could totally be changing my tune in a month. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when the new one comes out. But this comments were so weird. I'm not sure why he spent so much time on his high horse. Not to like bash James Cameron, but mm. spent so much time on his high horse talking about his billion dollar budget movie franchise. And now suddenly he's like, not sure if people give a shit anymore. You didn't want to ask that question before you made a sequel 13 years later? Yeah. We made two sequels 13 Sorry, two, years yeah, later. Two yeah. sequels 13 years later. Sorry. The yeah. Third one the too. third one's done. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. What do, what do you think? I, so actually I didn't watch it in 2009. It was just really overwhelming. I wasn't into that kind of film as a kid. I wasn't um, either, to be honest. <laughs> it was just the reason, I remember though, the reason it was so striking and the reason so many people want to watch it was because its visual effects were really mind blowing. Exactly. We're so different. We have come a long way in yeah. 13 years. Like seeing blue people isn't as exciting as it was then. And weirdly enough, and this might just have been the trailer, but like the, the, blue people like the navi yeah. the way they were rendered or i don't know what the term is they look not as high definition as they did in, oh, in interesting the, i didn't think that, about that that might also just have been a trailer thing but i don't know if you know the whole she hulk conversation about like she hulk her cgi seemed very primary like very um i'm forgetting the word but very she looked fake she didn't look it wasn't up to the standard yeah. of the usual cgi that marvel and other films action films um have been um up to in the last few years yeah. and I'm a little bit worried that that's what the trade looked like for for the second Avatar film, The Way of Water, right? Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe by the time it comes out in December, it'll it'll look better. I just don't. I don't know what kind of plot would pull us all back to the cinema because I feel like a lot of it's been done before. And if the visual effects are the main draw, why has James Cameron been completely shitting on, you know, Marvel and DC and all that for their low stakes but high performance value? Like it doesn't really make sense and it doesn't align and I'm not looking forward to, to Avatar 2 but as you said that might that might change when we totally could out. be changing our our opinions on it when it comes out you know um Brian Particelli at 2Fab he Particelli can say it both ways mm-hmm. um he um uh went to D23 yeah. to the second day which I believe that was the big day and he saw a clip from Avatar the Way of Water mm-hmm. and they had the 3D glasses and he okay. said it was incredible Okay. Yeah. But I was like, well, I don't like 3D. And he said, I don't like 3D either. But for this, it's like you have to have a 3D. And I'm like, oh, it's God. an experience. Yeah. I'm like, I don't yeah. like 3D, though. I don't want to watch 3D. I wear glasses usually. It's well, I wear glasses now. When I, back then, <laughs> when I was a kid, I didn't. But now I wear glasses when I go to the movies. So, like, I need, like, how does that work? Just, I was actually just talking to, to Jacob Stern at, at TMZ. He was asking, I was like, well, what do you do that? Because he said he has glasses as well. I was like, well, yeah. what do you put that? Like, what, do you put the 3D glasses over? Oh, the? yeah. Usually I just, like, pop them over. How does that work? Adjust every, every few minutes. <laughs> Which is a really annoying. It's like experience. a three-hour movie. That's the thing. That's as the well. other thing. It's like three freaking hours. Why is it three? Especially if they film these two, like the second and the third, around the same time. Surely you couldn't have divided that time a little better and it not make it six hours of content. Like yes. I don't think people have the and same amount of patience they did in oh, two thousand nine. No, especially post-pandemic and TikTok and streaming and shows. And it, I, I don't understand what the logic was. But again. Let, don't knock it till you try it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, 
I definitely think, despite all, you know, what we're saying, I still think people, there are people who are still excited about these movies. I don't know anyone personally that's actually like super diehard Avatar fan. I don't know anyone personally. That's not saying that I'm not like, you know, that don't have like, I mean, I have friends, you know what I mean? That's all like, I have a lot of movie, people that love movies for as friends, but I don't know anyone who's like dying to see Avatar 2. But obviously the fact that when it re-enters theaters people are going as i mentioned so there are people out there that are really excited about this and i think it's still going to perform well i don't think it's going to do as well as it did in the past okay. um sorry as the first one did yeah. because as you mentioned people's attention spans different now mm. people um don't go to the movies as much which is sad um but i'm very curious to see who how many people will flock to see this movie I think it'll still do well. But again, what is another thing I want to point out real quick? What are the what is the level that James Cameron's looking for for how well these are performing, like the second and the third one? Because is he is he hoping that he's going to break box office records like he did with the first one? Or is he just saying, oh, do well? Like, what do you mean? Like, like, what do you mean by what is he what is he what is his um, marker of success? Sorry, that I just got tongue-tied no i mean i'm assuming financially there's that like are they gonna make the money back that they spent on this because i think yeah. the overall four sequels have like a billion dollar <laughs> budget which so insane. wow that's a lot um but i guess maybe culturally is, is what he's also going for is like because he's really expressed disdain for you know mcu and you know even dc film maybe he's trying to kind of bring back the narrative to there can be a deeper more emotionally um emotionally heavy i guess for lack of a better word way to do these heavy cgi films but like is is there from from the looks of it it's a very generic war film with cgi people and yeah one thing i'm excited about is the pandora world world building for sure but yeah plot wise i don't know and i don't know if it's gonna have the cultural capital he thinks or hopes it will have yeah and i don't i still don't understand the point of these comments like, I don't know why he decided to say this. I'm trying to relate to Gen Z, I yeah. guess. You know, <laughs> self-deprecating is <laughs> probably what, I mean, we're talking about the quote. I like, know, we are. Yeah, maybe know. he just wanted to create more conversation. Yeah, show he's down with the kids now. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think we could end that segment there. All right, and moving on to our last segment, What'd You See, What'd You Think? Um, Chantal, what'd you watch this week? I actually rewatched a few. My partner and I on a rom-com rewatching spree. Love that. So we did He's Just Not That Into You and Save the Last Dance. <laughs> Always a lot of fun. Um, Classics. And one non-rom-com I watched that I'm recommending highly is Gaslight from 1944 starring Ingrid Bergman. It oh my was God. Angela Lansbury's first movie. It's on HBO Max until the end of November and it's really, really good oh. if you like classic cinema. Okay. So I would recommend. Love that. Um, I can talk about the one big release yes. that I did watch, though, that Please. isn't 100 years old. Um, <laughs> and that is I watched Selena Gomez's My Mind and Me documentary. It came mm-hmm. out November 4th, and it really follows a six-year journey between 2016 and 2022 wow. of her dealing with being such a global superstar while also having deteriorating mental and physical health, specifically following her lupus and bipolar disorder diagnoses. So it was a heavy, difficult watch. It was a powerful watch. And two big things that really stuck out to me were, first of all, the extent to which the documentary successfully portrayed why Selena puts 150% of herself into helping others. It could have been a cheesy message, but like I think they did a good job of showing. And this is, you know, through not only philanthropy, but also her rare beauty products, yeah. also her music. The documentary, I, I love think, rare beauty, by the way. 
Oh, no, same. Yeah. I'm like wearing, big rare beauty yeah. fan. I'm wearing rare beauty blush right now. Yeah. I'm wearing the foundation. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> girls day. Girls day. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but, continue. We, we disrupt ourselves there. Yeah. Um, but, yes, it could have been a cheesy message, but I think they did a good job of portraying the complexities of her as a person and her life and her relationships with those around her and showing why over this six-year journey that is really emotionally and physically taxing for her, why she is who she is today and why all the problems she puts out have this purpose of standing for something that is larger than herself so and it's a very broad message and could have come across I think as another celebrity being like oh I like to help people but I genuinely understood why that was and why it wasn't all just like it wasn't at all performative there was reasons behind everything she did so that was really interesting and the second thing I noted was she did not hold back. It was not a filtered version. Disney so it's Channel. Like really raw. Very raw. It yeah. wasn't America's sweetheart, Selena Gomez. She really did not shy away from showing the parts of herself that weren't as easily digestible. Um, and, you know, the relationships she had with her friends and family that maybe weren't as idealistic as they seem on her social media. So I... I thought it was really brave of them all to do that and considering the social media backlash to some aspects of the documentary it's it's a bravery that's going to have to continue you know as they weather the storm of this initial release and on that social media note i was on my mind and me tiktok before watching the film and there was a i don't know if you've seen this but there's a lot of criticisms following the release of Selena's friends and one who's in the documentary, one who's not. People saying Raquel is like, Raquel Stevens is a bad friend, is judgmental, isn't supportive, just wants to be there for the cameras. I saw that stuff. I I haven't watched it yet, but I I saw that people were saying like, Selena's friends are not her friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I got the complete opposite vibe. Really? I thought Raquel was a very grounded, grounding and comforting presence. She is one of the only, because Selena is constantly Constantly surrounded by people and Raquel is one of the only people I felt or, or at least the documentary showed who had the balls to tell Selena like it is and to really okay. kind of and make that's a Selena. true friend and that's yeah. the thing is like Selena's going through so much and the world adores her and so many people in the industry use her like a product that having a down-to-earth friend who will tell it like it is and love you no matter what even through the most difficult parts of Selena's life, I think was a wonderful thing to see. But one thing I will agree with with social media is it's strange that Selena talks about her physical and mental health the whole documentary, but she really does discuss her um, liver transplant that she got in 2017. Was it kidney? Sorry, kidney transplant is what I meant. Um, Kidney transplant. And um, the woman who gave her the transplant wasn't it Francia Raisa, yeah. who is an actress, like mm-hmm. she's not as big as Selena, but she is a public figure. Yeah. She wasn't in the documentary at all. She wasn't even mentioned by name. There was like so a brief weird. photo of her, um, you know, the famous picture where they're about to go get like the, the holding hands. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But she wasn't mentioned by name. She wasn't referenced. She wasn't interviewed, which was strange considering they really filmed this from 2016 to 2022. Yeah. So I agree that that was weird. There's a lot of speculation about why she wasn't in it and it's none of my business. I'm not going to get into it, but I do agree that it was a bit weird that she wasn't in it. That's yeah. like the one big thing that was ooh, a bit jarring, um, um, but overall a great And you watch. can see, I think you guys wrote about it too, I believe. I know we did it at 2Fab about the whole Selena's response to yes. that and all that stuff. So you guys can look that up. Um, we're not going to get into that because it's a lot. <laughs> you it guys lot. can look at that um, and see they're kind of back and forth, which is very, um, as Francia, Francia, Francia yeah. as she said, interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, look into look at that for sure. Um, 
so how would you overall did you like it i liked it it was difficult i think because it, it was a lot of showing the trauma and the trials and the tribulations that she's gone through um but and it struck me how t with her fans she's always so kind so open so smiley she's this bright light and the moment it switches to like being behind closed doors how dark her life truly was and how dark wow. her mind was and you know in 2016 she was this like amazing standard of beauty and you know youthful femininity that I looked up to a lot yeah um so it was interesting to see how behind those doors it was a very different story so I think it was a I liked it in that it was a powerful thing to watch and opened the doors to a completely different side of this really complicated complicated human being with a complicated life um but you know it's it's heavy and I think trigger warnings that they have at the beginning should yeah. be heeded because it, it's a tough watch wow. All right, we'll have to check it out. Um, I watched very different movies. <laughs> so I watched several movies this week. Um, I rewatch I every Christmas season, holiday season, I rewatch the holiday and I watch it like three times. Um Love Nancy Myers movie, one of my faves. <laughs> watch it every year. So I watched that. Um I watched movie Before Sunrise for the first time, which is phenomenal. Oh, I love that trilogy. It's so good. And I can't wait to watch the other two. I have never seen it. And I That's was good. like, oh, I'm obsessed. Um and I also attended a screening of Bones and All. And as you guys know, I'm a huge Timothy Chalamet fan. I love Luca Guadagnino. So I will be waiting to share my thoughts, holding off on sharing my thoughts until the movie comes out. Because um, I might watch it again, but I don't know if I can stomach it again. And I mean that literally. Um, so <laughs> um, I will um, hold off on my thoughts on that. So what I am going to chat about is I watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, mm. The <laughs> the Weird Al um, parody biopic um, yeah. starring Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al. So let me just read what this actual synopsis is because it's kind of ridiculous and it kind of sets what I'm going to say. So it says the unexaggerated true story about the greatest musician of our time from a conventional upbringing where playing the accordion was a sin. Weird Al Yankovic rebels and makes his dream of changing the words to renowned songs come true. An instant success in sex symbol. Al lives an excessive <laughs> lifestyle and pursues an infamous romance that nearly destroys him. So that literally is what... <laughs> The reason I'm mentioning the synopsis and reading it word for word is because it's literally what it's about. The entire movie, it's probably like 90% fictional. Yeah. Like, it is so ridiculous and so stupid that it works. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It's so funny. Um, it's literally one giant parody. And when I say that it's fictional, like, here's a couple things. So... Weird Al was in a relationship with Madonna. Obviously, didn't happen. Okay. He killed Pablo Escobar. I'm crying. <laughs> Obviously, didn't happen. He died after drinking and driving. Um, Weird Al is, I believe, he's doesn't drink <laughs> or curse. <laughs> he almost dies after drinking and driving. He wrote the song "Beat It" by Michael I Jackson, can't. and Michael Jackson parodied "Beat It." <laughs> and again, these are spoilers, so I apologize. I should have noted that first off. And then he ultimately gets assassinated in the movie. By Pablo Escobar's like cronies because Madonna like joins Madonna like doesn't like that he broke up with her and like this whole thing. It's so <laughs> insanity. It is like absolutely nuts. Um, the entire movie just pokes fun at biopics, you know, how fame destroys stars and how stars can get involved with alcohol and drugs and caught up in fame and like yeah. his parents like didn't support his dream and it's like <laughs> so funny because it obviously pokes fun at like how biopics are like so dramatized and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is so awesome in it he is just kind of like falls in with the 
absolute absurdity of this film. And I just want to note, I love how Daniel Radcliffe has in post Potter, his post Potter career. Mm. He's just taken on the most bizarre and random ass projects and just does whatever he wants to do. And like, he's so good. I love that. I love that. Right. You just kind of see that he has all this other talents in acting that we didn't know about. Um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, I highly recommend if you have a Roku channel account. I know that's like kind of most people don't. Um, my parents have Roku TV, so I was able to watch it. I have Roku TV. Yeah, so I watch it. Tonight. It's so much fun. It's like an hour and forty five minutes. Not like super long. Um, mm-hmm. and it's so ridiculous, but in again, in the best way. Um, and I highly recommend every ch- everyone check it out. Also, the cast, real quick. So it also stars Rain Wilson and Ev- Evan Rachel Wood, who Evan Rachel Wood plays Madonna. I saw those pictures. Weird Al is in it. He plays a record producer. Here's some other cameos. I just need to list these because it was like it was like another one and another one. <laughs> Lumen Mo Miranda, David Dasmilsi. I'm gonna butcher his name. David Dasmilsian. Quinta what? Brunson plays Oprah. Jack oh Black is in it. Conan O'Brien is in there. He plays Andy Warhol. Patton Oswalt and and Josh Groban is a weird. Josh Groban. <laughs> Literally, like every second, there was like a random ass cameo. It is just so ridiculous. It, it's again, I, I've used that word ridiculous several times, but that's literally the word to describe this movie. But highly recommend. It was so much. It was so much fun. That sounds insane and really, really cool. And I really, I was gonna watch it anyway, but like now, I, you've sold you'd me. definitely should. I feel like. With a lot of stuff going on in the world, like you need, if you want a good laugh, watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I think with that, we can end our podcast today. I think we can end there. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya.